right, if you are listening to this, you are listening to the first episode of Stories of the Norse. Now, I'm putting this in as a request to my listeners and to the community I hopefully gather. Now, this whole podcast is based around Norse culture and Norse mythology and what some people practice now as a religion and as a faith, a culture. And so, I'm asking those of you who have differing opinions to respect one another's opinions as this whole podcast is meant to teach it's it's it is not to say whether or not the stories point towards something or whether or not they are just stories it's just to teach about them it's to teach about this wonderful culture that gathered these these traditions and and stories together to make a beautiful picture so i'm just asking that you respect one another's opinions respect the stories respect the culture and if you have any questions comments or concerns please please feel free to message me at my email it is Einarspeaks at gmail.com. That is E-I-N-A-R-S-P-E-A-K-S at gmail.com. First letter capitalized, no spaces. With that, I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Please enjoy. All right. Here we have our first episode of Stories of the Norse. Thank you for coming in, stopping by, and listening. Today's episode will be on the creation story of Norse mythology. This is the the starting point. From here, we will continue on towards stories of multiple gods, their adventures and exploits, certain things that happen, and we will go through this slowly but surely and hit as many stories as we can in the best order that I can find. Now, before we begin, I'd like to thank many sources, books, websites, Google, everything. There are a few people on TikTok I'd also like to thank. Um, one of them is The Real Slim Jesus. If you don't like this and you want really short videos, really in-depth videos, go check him out. I don't know if he's going to hear this, but I'm a big fan. I think you guys will be too if you're listening to this podcast. But other than that, let's start the story. Alright, so we start out with two places. The north, which held the frozen wastes of Niflheim. And the south, which was the flaming pit called Muspel. Now, in between these was this great divide, a pit of sorts called Gnunagap, uh, um, pardon, Gnun, ah, if I can pronounce this right, sorry, I just had it a few minutes ago, Gnungagap, Gnungagap, there we go, I think I pronounced that wrong, if I pronounce that wrong, please, somebody shoot me a message on my Instagram or something, anyway, there were these three places, and all of them were somewhat different. Niflheim was the freezing cold, while Muspel was the flaming hot, and in between was a mixture of both. 
that is what yeah I'm just the 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 mist the fog now in Niflheim there was a spring called Vergelmir Vergelmir best I can pronounce it please again correct me if I'm wrong it is a spring that of course gurgled out water and produced two rivers and these rivers flowed throughout Niflheim and finally over the edge into Gnungagap. Gnungagap. I am butchering this. This is the first episode. I will get better on the pronunciation. That's another thing. I'm going to try and use some of the modern pronunciations. But for some of those names, there aren't. And so I will sadly butcher some of the names. But I will try my hardest. That is the point. This is for all of us to learn these stories. Anyway, we've got the spring in Niflheim that makes two rivers that fall into the mist. Now, these rivers sort of flow through the mist and freeze as they go into it. Now, as they freeze near Niflheim's edge, Muspel has the hot winds blowing over, and it slowly melts and drips from the frozen rivers. Now, from this icy melt came the father of the frost giants, Ymir. Ymir was the first frost giant. He, uh, he wandered the mist. He walked about, and the very first frost giants that were spawned from him came from the sweat of his underarms. Gross, I know. Well, actually, it's kind of interesting, but there will be a lot of stuff like that, so fair warning. The first two giants came from the sweat of under his arms. All the giants after that came from everything he did. His very thoughts spawned giants. He himself was a creator of giants. This is one of the things I'd like to point out is that this is one of the first instances where chaos breeds creation. That is something I found is very common in some of the Norse myths is that chaos and creation go hand in hand they can be flipped around creation can breed chaos while chaos can breed creation we'll get into a few of those stories later on but we'll continue this so Ymir is walking around this mist forming giants everywhere and they're just popping around now another creature that was formed from the mist was this great cow Aldhumla she is this ginormous, beautiful beast who from her udders brew four great, great rivers of milk. Now, as any cow would do, she started eating. And the only thing that she could find in the mist itself was frozen chunks of ice that came from the banks of Niflheim. And so she started licking away at these blocks of ice. And as she licked... She wore away at this salty glacier until she finally found herself licking the head of a god. Now, this god's name is Bori. Bori was the first god. He, like Ymir, was a creator. From Bori came a son named Bor. Now... Bor met the 
daughter of a frost giantess. It is sometimes debated whether or not this daughter herself was a frost giant or if she was just what we would call a Jotun. A Jotun is, well, there's many types of Jotuns, Frost Jotuns, uh, Frost Jotuns, Fire Jotuns. Um, Jotun doesn't refer to the size, sometimes it does, but in most of the stories it refers to the power. Anyway, Bor met a giantess's daughter, and they had three sons. This is where we finally meet Odin, Vili and V. Now, these are the first three troublemakers, as I like to say, or um, great stirrers. They they are driving forces in the mythology, as you can probably tell, or as you probably know now. Odin is one of the most driving forces in mythology. Now. After these three sons were born, there was anger and hatred brewing. These gods, as well as these frost giants, hated each other. They hated each other so much that they would fight and fight and fight and kill each other to the point where Ymir was killed. Now, after Ymir was killed, his blood spilt out upon everything, and it drowned everything, all the giants. But the three sons stayed on him and didn't. All the giants died except for two. Those giants were Begelmir and his wife. These two escaped on a boat they made and rode the waves that formed from Ymir's blood. Now... With all this chaos and and what I would say is desolation is a turning point in these three boys' lives. They've lived their whole well, they've lived so far fighting these giants and knowing that this simple world is their home. But now they've got a well, a giant problem. There's a body and tons of seas of blood everywhere. And so, they started thinking of things they could do. And they finally settled on the idea that they would make a world from the flesh of Ymir. Well, not just the flesh, but everything. Um, from his blood, many of the lakes and oceans were formed... His flesh became the earth, his teeth made the rocks and pebbles, from his bones came the mountains, his skull made the sky, the many insects like maggots were formed into the dwarves that scurry these lands. They, uh, there were four of the dwarves that were placed at the four corners of Ymir's skull to hold it up, and the skull made the sky, uh, the skull made the sky. These four dwarves were named, let me see this, let me find the notes. There we are. Nordi, Astri, Sudri, and Vestri. This is north, east, south, and west. It's, it's actually kind of interesting how uh, there are a lot of mythologies that have cardinal directions like this in the sense that um, they characterize them. 
sometimes in the form of gods, sometimes in the form of statues, beings. For instance, Greek mythology has the the cardinal winds, the, the directions. In this case, it is the four dwarves that hold up the skull that is the sky. Now, the rest of the dwarves scurried into the caves made in the flesh of Ymid. The, the flesh made the earth, and so they scurried into the caves. Bones made mountains. Um, they started crafting and creating. And they were these beautiful treasures that they sometimes gifted to the gods, but of course, that's for another story. Now, continuing on to what Ymir was made into. His brain was plucked apart and put in the sky and made into clouds. His, uh, well, the fires from Muspil and the sparks and ashes became the stars and the sun and the moon. Well, the stars so far. Um, from this, oh, there's one more thing, there's one more thing. Sorry, pardon me, it's late. I have to continuously look back and forth between notes. And this is my first episode. It will get better, I promise, folks. From his eyebrows, they finally made walls around their territory. The, the, them being the gods. They made his eyebrows into great walls that kept the giants out. And so, thus was created Midgard and Jotunheim. And Jotunheim is where the giants repopulated. Midgard is where the guard, the gods started repopulating. And there are a lot of gods that were born and raised there. Um, new people and beings. So, to give themselves a purpose, Odin decided that he would make something. And so, at the banks of Midgard, he took two pieces of driftwood and formed them into these creatures we know as humans. These um, humans were empty so far, uh, uninspired, and so Odin gave, the, gave them, what is it, Ond, which is breath, so that they could run, they could jump, they could explore. Od was given from Honir, which was their mind, La from Lodir, which was sense. And with these gifts, they wandered around the world. They explored, they repopulated, they made more people. And these two starting humans were Embla and her husband Ask. They set about the world, repopulated, and wandered the very green and rich soil of Midgard. Now, one day... In Jotunheim, there was a giantess who gave birth to day and night. Day being her son and his sister night. Day was pure white of skin and his hair rivaled that of the fires of Muspel. His sister night had skin compared to that of a raven's back. Her eyes were beautifully spotted, just like the sky's stars. 
And so Odin saw this contrast. He snuck into Jotunheim and he gave them a job. He placed them in the sky. And from there, they took turns rotating around the world. Flickering from day to night, day to night, day to night. And the humans, they were amazed by this. This was the most beautiful, spectacular light show because there was no guide for the day and the night. They came without warning and left without remorse. They, they partied in the sky making this beautiful light show of colors. So to match this brilliance, a human named his children Sun and Moon after descendants from the sky. Now the gods were angered by this. They, they, they didn't understand that he was trying to impress them. So he gave, or they gave his kids a job. His daughter, Sun, guided day, while his son, Moon, guided night. And just for a little extra, the gods put the two wolves, Hati and Skol, to chase them. Now, Skol chases day, while Hati chases night. This is, sadly, the endless cycle that these beings were put into. This cycle is only broken at Ragnarok, when Skol and Hati finally catch the sun and moon and the day and night. That is where we're going to stop the story for right now and start discussing many things about this story. Um, for starters, I'd like to discuss Ymir. Now, Ymir was... It's hard to explain him. Nobody really knows how he was because it's not very well explained in the story. It's not saying, not bagging on anything. It's just sometimes it's left up to interpretation. It's commonly taken on, frankly, due to Marvel Comics and their uh, monsterization of Jotuns, that the Jotuns themselves are evil, but that's not always true. It's not always true that the gods are good. Sometimes the Sorry, pardon me. I thought I heard something. Sometimes the gods are evil as well, but that's why I don't really like to say good or evil. I just I consider some beings in Norse mythology forces of chaos and others forces of creation and sometimes they switch off roles. That's just how it is. It's better to explain it that way to than to villainize them. Now Ymir was, in my opinion, both a force of chaos and creation. He was made out of the chaos and he created. And as such, he bred chaos naturally. Because in this creation, he made so many beings that he didn't know what to do with them. He, he, he basically had an army at his hands. All of his children were were giants like him 
He didn't, he probably didn't know what was going on. He was just made. So this, this, this kind of makes me feel bad for him a little bit. Because he was thrown into this mix, into creation. He was um, not forced, but he was just created. So he wasn't really given a choice for his purpose. Um, the next thing I'd like to talk about is his children, the Jotuns. They are the precursors for the Jotuns that start to sprout in Norse mythology, in the later Norse mythology. Um, people call them frost giants, but I'm really not sure whether they're frost giants, Jotuns, fire Jotuns. They could be anything. They could, they're the precursors for Jotuns. And so that's why I prefer to call them Jotuns themselves instead of frost giants, because we never really know, because for all we know, there could have been no distinction. There could be no distinction in the later myths. It's just where they come from, I guess. And so, they're really just Jotuns. Anyway, I'm... Sometimes I get on tracks that I don't really follow. Except I do follow them too long. Hi, I'm I'm your host, Einar. You're going to get used to me if you wish to... Co- continue listening to this, but I don't think my demographics are going to be very good. Anyway, um, next I'd like to talk about Odhumla, the, uh, the cow. I actually, uh, I'm really like, I'm confused as to what happens to her. Uh, the rivers of milk probably nurtured some of the beings in Norse myths, but as to why she started licking the ice, and as to why the ice held the first giant, or I mean the first god, this is all just... It's very unique, and that's that's honestly why I appreciate this so much. It's the fact that this is all chaos. Chaos that creates. Um... Now, both of these beings, Ymir and Adhumla, are creations of Gnungagap. They uh, are formed from the mists in it. And that's another thing that's very interesting to me, because Gnungagap is sometimes described as a void. It's it's lifeless. It's, it's very... It's very empty. It's space almost. Except it's not space. It's the space between realms. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. I don't. Another thing is uh, before we go to realms, because not all the realms are created technically in myths, in the myths we're reading right now. And so, one thing I'd like to get out of the way before we start reading about the other realms is that. I don't like Marvel comics for what they've done to the Norse myths. They've simplized them. Um, the realms are not in the same universe. Asgard is a planet in Norse mythology. I mean, Marvel comics. And so is Midgard. Midgard is Earth. But in Norse myths, 
Midgard is our universe. It's our world. It's what we know. Now, Jotunheim is a completely different space. We have no way of getting there unless we find one of the many entrances to the trunks of Yggdrasil. Uh, Yggdrasil, we'll get to what Yggdrasil is later. It's a giant tree that holds up the realms, but we'll go more in depth a bit later. But what I'm trying to say is, do not think that the realms in Norse mythology are close to each other, because they are not. It's not even the same universe. And that's what I love about this, is that there is so much about what goes on beyond our lands. And I suppose that's what that's what drives a lot of the stories is the fact that we don't know. And so we try and make the best of these stories that we've been told that have been passed down and written. We try and make sense of this. Sorry, another another tangent. The next thing I'd like to get on to is the natural hatred that brews between the gods and the Jotuns. There's really no described cause for these. Uh, I'd like to assume that it's just based on common nature. Maybe the fact that one side wanted something and the other didn't. Maybe it's in the giant's nature to be chaotic entities. Maybe it's in the god's nature to be chaotic entities. Either way, they were a driving force to more chaos. And so that led to Ymir's demise. But even in Ymir's demise, that led to the Jotun's demise. And it's just all of this chaos from creation. That's, that's, that's amazing to me. Is that so much, so much conflict could brew, or so much creation, I mean, could brew conflict and destruction. It's almost as if it's a, it's a cycle. Creation breeds conflict, conflict breeds creation, and it just keeps going on and on and on and on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> turning back to these. Um, the Jotuns fell, and only two escaped. But, of course, they repopulated later on, and that natural conflict stayed. Years and years and years of, of conflict. Next up are the three gods. Odin, Vili, and V. Now, these are fairly young gods. These, um, they're just kicking into the, uh, the boot. <laughs> As, I don't know, I... What I'm trying to say is that gods normally have um, a purpose or like a, they have something they reign over. But these gods at first didn't have much. Odin was not yet the Allfather until he, of course, created us humans. Uh, Vivi and V were just his brothers. Odin, Odin was just their brothers. They, they were new and yet they were somehow everything next up i'd like to talk about the creation of midgard and jotunheim um 
that kind of interests me a lot because as i said you know it's they're different universes almost it's uh different worlds different realms and yet jotunheim and midgard are the most connected because they were made from the same flesh of ymir and so are they not almost the same maybe um well, what I like to think is that that kind of puts the Jotuns into perspective. What if the Jotuns are just our size? What if physically they look like us, but power-wise they've learned to adapt and survive to be these these wielders of Sedir, um magic. Sedir is magic. There's different types, but again, we'll continue on that in the next episode. So, this whole realms these whole realms still have their connections all right next up is um ooh let's talk about how ymir's blood makes up the lakes and oceans of the realms or of well the first two realms i think that's very interesting because again it kind of puts it into perspective what these giants are like Ymir's blood became this this sea, this ocean, uh, the things that surround our worlds as we know. And so, it, it shows us what the Norse people thought these giants bled. And that plays later on into more and more myths as we go along, of course. Mm. Next are the dwarves. I really I really feel bad for these guys. They're pinned under the sky, holding it up for all of eternity. And I just... Uh, that makes me sad. Like, are they happy? Are they sad that this is happening to them? Um, it's also how they were born from um, the maggots and the insects that came from Ymir's flesh. Now, dwarves... Dwarves are what we would think is a different race from humans or elves or giants but in fact dwarves themselves are elves they are um svart elves dark elves so yes if you've watched thor the dark world those elves that had pitch black skin or these masks they wore those are dwarves i just thought i put that into some perspective um I like that they naturally went underground as they know. They they came from Ymir's flesh and so they burrowed back into it. Next thing is the gifts from the gods. Ond from Odin himself. Um, breath. This is one of the reasons I believe Odin is called the Allfather in Norse myths is because the Norse myths say that he's the creator of humanity he he bred well not bred but he created humans and so from humans came humanity um i just i i i I like making connections like that even if they're childish connections it makes it a bit easier for me to know these myths and these meanings behind these names before i continue on and keep reading the stories the gifts uh, continue on with La from Lodir, which was sense. So it, it 
help them understand the world around them. Uh, odd mind, that's a given, it helps them think. All of these things were humanity given to us. It's 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 our thoughts, it's our memories, it's our mind, it's our breath, it's it's how we walk, how we travel. And I find it interesting that Norse mythology has the humans receiving those at creation, while other myths like Greek myths, Greeks don't get it until after this world is created and Prometheus of course creates them and then steals fire for them and course eventually gets punished which by the way mythology has a thing like most mythologies have a thing for punishment and i think that's kind of teaching the story it's it's a warning almost again we'll get to that later um ambla and ask i also find it interesting that i'm now, not comparing, but I'm making connections to major Christianity and how in those stories it's Adam and Eve, but in this case it's Ask and Embla. And I just, I, I, I find it interesting how Ask and Adam and Embla and Eve share the same first letters. It's, it's interesting to see creations like that. Another thing I forgot to point out, Ymir's blood is technically a great flood. Now, now, just hear me out, hear me out. Almost every myth, every religion, every culture has a great flood happen. And so, what if, what if everybody had this flood go around them? Every culture, every religion, every, every being saw the flood and made different, not excuses, but stories about it. Different reasons why they think it happened. And I think that's really interesting. Um, next is day and night. Now, again, I think it's sad that they were given a purpose without being asked what they wanted to do. Like Ymir, they were born for a purpose. Like Odin, they were born for a purpose. Like the dwarves, they were born for a purpose. Everybody has a purpose that they were born with, but they never really get to choose. And that's that's very interesting and yet sad to me. But anyway, I also find it sad that because of some humans' miscommunication, they now have to be chased by these wolves and guided by the sun and moon to follow this linear path until the end of days. They did nothing to deserve a punishment, and yet they received it. Again... Connections we're making that we will point out later. Um, finally, I'd like to just... As a whole, this creation story is chaotic. And it's it's got its separate parts that have each significant like reasons they're there. Ymir's death, well, Ymir's creation... Aldhumla's creation, what came from that, the conflict that brewed Ymir's death, the creation from Ymir, uh, everything like that. Everything has a part to play. And as we keep going on, again, we won't point out this connection, like the second half of this connection for a little bit, but 
it's all starting to form somewhat of a cycle. With that, I'm going to end this here, but as I stated in the intro, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or things you'd like me to say, please contact me at capital E I N A R S P E A K S Einar Speaks at gmail.com. I will address those questions, comments, and concerns at the beginning of next episode. Also, please give me a follow on Instagram. It's Stories of the Norse Podcast. No caps, no spaces. Spell it out how it sounds. With that, thank you guys so much for listening. I wish you all safe travels. And as I'm recording this, it's quarantine going on right now with the COVID-19 dilemma. And I just, I hope you all are staying safe out there. I love you guys.